Good morning, and welcome back to, at long last, Dance Dorothy Dance, the Patreon-exclusive podcast dedicated to the films of Dorothy Arsner. My name is B. Peterson, I am your host, and with me as always is... Live in the flesh, it is Mark Edward Hoyk, ladies and gentlemen. Right. If you listen to All About Ovid, then you know that I'm down in L.A., and the reason I'm down in L.A. is because I've got a ton of Dorothy Arzner DVDs, and it's about time we burn through them. And so, yeah, that's 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 where we're here. I've, I've got a hotel room, and Mark and I are basically, over the course of a week, just going to be watching ten d- different films that Dorothy Arzner can lay claim to, and and talking about them so yeah um this is we're, we're finally back uh we did friends of dorothy um in over over our break as we were collecting all the dvds and i that was a blast gotta see uh, different films from different filmmakers and a lot of stories about motherhood um but yeah we're back with dorothy arzner well kind of um the film the film we're talking about today technically isn't um uh, it's not credited to dorothy arzner it's a uh, it's a film the 1930 film Behind the Makeup uh, from Robert Milton. Um, but as we'll talk about, uh, Dorothy Arzner does, uh, did, did contribute to, to the film, and I think it's worth noting. And even though it gets only a page, a, a little over a page in, in, her, in the textbook uh, directed by Dorothy Arzner by Judith Maine, which is a book that I'm have a meet, have, uh, uh, it, it took a day to get through most of it, and it was just just a lovely book but yeah even though it only takes up a little over a page i think it's it's worth diving into this uh, uh other aspect of her career where she was willing to basically help out other filmmakers um and regardless of whether the films are any good uh she she did the work and so yeah so that's the film we're talking about today behind the makeup um the film stars um hal skelly as hap uh william powell as gardoni and um, and Faye Ray as Marie, and the film tells a story of Hap, who is a clown, a vaudeville performer. And at the beginning of the film, he runs into uh, Gardoni, played by William Powell, who is in an incredibly depressive state. He is at one. He later says that he was ready to kill himself when um, Hap just comes in, is very kind and welcoming, and it turns out that Gardoni was also himself a clown um of a, a performer um an actor and and they decide they hit it off and they decide to become partners and over the course of the film it's about how gardoni kind of maybe takes a little more than uh he was offered and all of the fallout from that yeah it, it, it's it's a it's a familiar kind of story mm. about uh you know the the formation of some sort of performing team and how the rivalries uh, within, you know, the competing uh, goals of the team butt up against each other and how uh, you know, the, the, the noblest of intentions start to, uh, you know, fray apart. Right. And, uh, there, and there's, some, there's some other, uh, I think, uh, interesting subtext uh, going on within this particular telling of the tale yeah so so i guess my i guess what what did you think of of behind the makeup because i frankly didn't think much of it (laughs) it it's it's very it's very thin it's only 70 minutes you know because back back then you didn't you know that's 
how short movies were, and yeah, you couldn't really prolong this movie any further, and it's no. already kind of you know thin yeah. as it is. This movie, it, this movie, honestly, could have been forty minutes. They could have just not had the last thirty, in my opinion. This this movie is fluff. Yeah, basically, uh, boy, boy meets partner, partner shows his ass, and then uh, partner leaves the scene. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what happens is is Hap has is has a has a nice relationship with uh he he likes to go to this uh, uh it's not a bar a bar it, restaurant it's kind, of, it's kind of a late night greasy spoon uh, yeah. this this takes place, a diner yes this takes place in um New Orleans movie starts in New Orleans right and you know Hap is doing a night nightly vaudeville show where he's you know one one of do- dozens of acts as vaudeville was you know do doing uh you know cheap you know, cheap comedy and uh, stunts on stage, and he always comes afterwards to you know get a bite and a cup of coffee, and it's always late at night after respectable people have gone home. <laughs> yeah, and you know he's he fa- he fancies Marie and she fancies him. You know it's very sweet. And one night after leaving, he comes across a Gardoni, and he he can tell that. You know, this guy's been on the skids for a while, mm. and he decides, hasn't eaten. Yeah, and he takes him back to his place, and you know, gives him some food, and you know, tries to pep him up, and discovers uh, his performing background. Right. But even at this stage, you know, when you know Gordoni, uh, Gardoni has has nothing. He still has airs about uh, his prowess. That yes. He, the one of the first things that Hap says to him is like, "You just got to get rid of your pride, man. You haven't eaten in four days. Just come back. Let me help you." And yeah, and that that pride never goes away, though he does continue to take. Yes, that uh, that uh, Hap uh, proposes that they work together because you know Gardoni claims to have this artistic pedigree. He's he speaks with an accent. He claims to have come from overseas, from a, Italy, from an Italian performing legacy, and this you know kind of intrigues Hap because you know he's you know kind he's kind of a suburban white bread uh, type, and you know he wants but he wants to become better because he's doing fine, but he kind of knows you know that I I'm doing simple stuff. I could. You know, I want to, I want to augment. I want to challenge myself to, to and get bigger acclaim. Yeah, and and, and Gardoni, you 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 seem to know everything. Can mm-hmm. you know, can you you can help me? I'm steadily working. I could you know get you a gig, and and you know they reluctant uh, Gardoni reluctantly partners up with him because he goes to see his act. You know, the next night, and of course, it's much too low and vulgar for him because uh, uh, I, I I'm gonna get the quote wrong, but there's a a great line from uh, the late Michael O'Donohue, who was one of the uh, original writers for Saturday Night Live, who said that uh, making people laugh is the lowest form of comedy. <laughs> uh, so and so Gardo- that. You know, Hap is proposing a, a, a slapsticky kind of 
thing that they could do with you know using physical humor. Initially, Gardoni is totally against Ugh. it, and he wants to do something way more highbrow. And he, we see them and, try that, and, and then a month fail. later, it, you know, <laughs> it's it's not working. They're out. They're in Baton Rouge, so yes. they've tried to take this yeah. on the road. Yeah, the title card is Baton Rouge: A Failure. <laughs> yes, that uh, there are mile markers in the story explaining almost each place where they are right. and the stage of the career that Hap is in or what he finds himself to be. Yeah, the opening of the film shows um, shows him on his bicycle doing his bike. With, by the way, great bicycle stunts. Um, fun little stuff. And then, yeah, yeah and it shows Hap, a performer, is, mm-hmm. is, how it, is how it labels him, and that's going to be important later. But yeah, so, he, so they... They're they're at a low point, but so uh, while they're trying, while they're having their reckoning over, well, what do we do now? Uh, Hap tries to raise some quick cash by doing doing a stunt in a bar, and the stunt fails. And when he comes back, Gord- Gardoni is gone. Right, and Hap figures, well, okay, so much for the act, and he goes b- back to New Orleans with his tail between his legs and agrees to work at the diner as a dishwasher washing dishes so he's he's enough of a realist that okay i got i gotta put the act on hold Mm. and you know swallow my pride and you know just get an honest living and and but it's not so bad because he gets to be around marie all the time and walk her home and he begins to actively quarter and so when they have a a rare night off from the cafe they go out to the vaudeville parlor and wouldn't you know gardoni is on the bill and he's doing some of the very shtick that he poo-pooed when he and brown were a team right at at, in the in towards the beginning of the film um hap's like well why don't you try doing this thing is like where you act like a lady and you do this tripping routine and all this stuff and and he's like oh no how no that's this that's revolting and then we see him doing that very thing and so he's like hap's like hold on i'm just give me a moment and he runs backstage and then yeah they they meet again he's like oh i'm i'm sorry i ran off on you you know how it was uh mumble 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 i'm not really oh by the way do you have a woman oh you should bring her back here and yeah and so they bring marie back and 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 uh a specific detail is the fact that marie herself is also you know she's kind of a first-generation American from an immigrant family. She's French and Gardoni is Italian, but... She understands Italian. Yeah, they can can hit it off based on mutual outsider experience in in America, and, you know, they they do that... They do that thing where they're speaking in their native languages while Hap cannot understand a word of what's being said. You know, because... Because, you know, the, the paranoia of every American English speaker is that when someone is talking in a foreign language, they're talking about you. Yeah. Now, I happen to speak French, and I've 
been around French people, and when and I found out that's true. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm I, bilingual, and I call them out on it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I've 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 been in I've been I'm I'm bilingual myself. I'm fluent in Spanish, and yeah, no, I've I've been in a Walmart a couple times and just heard people talking and most of the time it's 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 almost never about me but one time i did notice that uh, some people were chatting about me and i was just like and i just like looked at them and was like just nodded and they were like oh and then they <laughs> they moved on but anyway anyway um oh, yeah but yeah so marie comes back they hit it off uh quite quickly and and then and then a bit too quickly for for hap's taste and within five minutes of movie runtime yes with within within like within 12 hours of their reunion um on the upside hap has been invited to put the duo back together by gardoni Mm -hmm. but on the downside gardoni has run off and eloped with marie yes there's it's it's a it's a a tragic little scene where he goes back to the diners like oh have you seen marie and he's like oh no oh but but you you i'm going and the the owner of the diner's like i'm going to make you this special dinner for the two of you and they're just waiting for marie to show up and she finally does with gardoni and it turns out they're married and gardoni's like oh yes a dinner for us too to celebrate our wedding and he's like and the diner is like, no, it's for these two. It's like, oh, fine, I'll pull up a chair for him too. Then it's just, yeah, Gardoni is is is. Uh, how 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 does one put it? Well, uh, uh, let me put it this. Well, let me put it this way. There's a very uh, there's a very famous episode of the Flintstones. Okay, where uh, Fred and Barney encounter uh, a man about to. Uh, uh, or at least appearing to commit suicide by jumping off a bridge, okay. and they you know talk him down and invite him to stay. That's in a Flintstones episode. This is a Flint. That's dark. Well, <laughs> yes, and uh, the, the 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 name of the gentleman is Jay Montague Gypsum. Okay, and consequently, you know, they talk him down and they say, "Oh, you know, you're you're having to run a bad luck. You can stay with us." And then uh, Gypsum basically. Turn, turns into the biggest mooch in the world that you know you know if Fred had a cactus cooler Montague's taken it and drunk it where's the newspaper I was reading Montague has it mm-hmm. you know it's to the point where Fred says uh Wilma where's my bottle of rat poison Fred well it's the only thing I have left uh, so yes I uh, think the name the name <laughs> gypsum is I make gypsum this- as in the rock Remember, okay. it's the Flintstones. Everything has a rock name. That's right. Um, so, yeah. So, so he is a taker. Yes. Um, and things continue apace. They decide that they're going to try it Hap's way. They're going to go the the hokum route, as yes. as they put it. And wouldn't you know it? After a couple of years, they're incredibly successful. They're in New York, and then they'll be off to London and Paris and Vienna, mm-hmm. the fabled Vienna. Yes, and uh, uh, I think uh, a key to the relationship is that the the sketch that that Hap had proposed involved uh, Gardoni dressed as a woman and mm-hmm. him and him dressed as a dog, and right. and so and consequently Hap is almost the literal lap dog mm-hmm. of uh, this act and mm-hmm. taking all the abuse. Right. Yeah, and. 
yeah, he's 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 making it work. He's doing the best he can. He's he has a pleasant relationship with Marie, but obviously it just it's not ideal for him. And Gardoni is the biggest ingrate in the business because mm-hmm. he's he's successful. He's got the girl that he that wants. Ha- hap wanted, and he is he still has the gall to complain that when he has an offer to perform in London. He's talking about, well, but they want, you know, Gardoni the clown. They don't want Gardoni the artist. Right. Yeah. The, um, and, and on top of all of that, turns out he's seeing another woman. Yes. <laughs> he is wildcatting with another performer at uh, their venue, a lady named Kitty Parker. Right. Played by Kay Francis. Who, I've got to say, it, looking at her, the way she's styled... She looks like a glammed up Dorothy, Dorothy Arzner. No, I. That's exactly the first time when she enters in into the frame. It's from the back. She walks down the stairs and goes up to a door. I'm like, no, it's not her. And it turns out that it's not. But it's like I thought this exact same thing. Yes, uh, that um, uh, as part of our research for this, we watched a the the wonderful German documentary uh uh. Longing on, for Women. Longing for Women, which is on the new Criterion Blu-ray of Merrily We Go to Hell, which will be coming in a later episode. And it is one of the few sources to ever see femme photos of right. Dorothy. That when you look her up on the web, you always see her as she was in yeah. her directing days, where she was dressing very masculine with short, mm-hmm. uh, slicked-back hair and usually either in a nice suit or in, you know, a modest uh, shirt dress. Right. And so, but you see pictures of her, you know, from her teenage years where, mm-hmm. you know, she was presenting feminine. So yeah. now, you know, seeing uh, Kitty here, <laughs> and Kitty's character is uh, very affluent. Yes. Uh, she is She is of the high art mind that, that you know... That uh, uh, Hap is all about this low, low art, as we'll, as as Powell puts it, and and he's interested in the high art. You must be, we must be high minded, and yeah, that we don't know what precisely she does. She is probably an opera singer or, or something, or you know, a contralto, uh, and but she's also. You know, she li- she lives a little wilder than everyone else. You know that. You know, Marie, Marie is, you know, is the the simple girl who worked in a cafe, so she'll cook, she'll cook for Gardoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, Kitty, you know, she she goes to gambling dens, mm-hmm. dens of criminal vice and corruption. I've joined the Hogan gang. I'm a hot assassin. I carry a Tommy gun and a. Vi- I'm sorry, having a Tennessee Williams flashback. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I was gonna say. Um, yeah, when when does this film take place though? It's 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 I think it's in the twentieth century. It's it's the twentieth century, but um, there people are still using um, gaslight in the the houses. Right. There's not a whole lot of electricity, so we're pro- we're probably you know talking the you know the turn of the century. Right. You know, you know be you know basically before vaudeville was eliminated by the pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and so, Kitty's over here, uh, Powell's philandering with her, and, 
and it's all just going it's that's a, the thing with this movie is this movie again it's it's so thin and it it just it's scenes just seem to go on and like when even like we get the point but we but we just stay in the scene for a while and i'm just waiting for the scene to move on but eventually what happens is is hap finds out about about all this um and more than that 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 uh, uh gardoni's been involved he's been involved in this gambling that kitty's running or kitty's been a part of and she, he's run up a ton of debt twenty thousand dollars in debt which is a lot yes we're we're, we're taught we're I'm I mean, even even if you were to think of it as the 1930s, as opposed to you know for, uh, two decades further where this movie is supposed to take place, twenty thousand dollars, you know, that's that's a that's a chunk of cash. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so but and ultimately, what happens is uh, uh, Gardoni tries to appeal to Kitty, and she just isn't interested he's been totally infatuated with her but kitty's like you know what you need me but i don't need you and she just leaves off and gardoni left with nothing goes right back to where we saw him at the beginning of the film and this time goes through with it yes and the the, and the the fact that uh kitty so resembles arzner (laughs) even though this is supposed to be you know the the big dark turning point of the story there there's something kind of rewarding about the way that she is presenting herself as this independent woman of means mm-hmm. who okay gardoni amuses me mm-hmm. I'll, I'll entertain him for a little while but you know i don't need him right. i don't need you yes. vain gentleman yeah and so so yeah so gardoni kills himself he commits suicide drowns himself in the river and I thought the movie was over, and no, it just keeps going, um, and it's a hap reconciling with Marie, and there's a whole chunk of this movie, and I do not understand why Hap makes this decision, but he basically covers for Gardoni after being uh, essentially abused uh, and used for the past years, that he there's there's this long scene of where marie and hap basically talk about how amazing gardoni was and how much of a gentleman and how cool he was there's this gigantic portrait painting up on the wall of him like looking like a king with a cane and like it's just like where where does all of this love for gardoni come from because all we've seen is gardoni take advantage and and it's it's just it's a really weird shift for hap to make well, ultimately it gets revealed that that you know the twenty thousand dollars of debt was not in fact haps cover because he tried to cover for that well the, but the, like that was something i was a little fuzzy on because i think part of i was my reading was part of the reason why gardoni commits suicide is also to get out of paying the 20 grand right the that you know because you know there's uh, it, it turns out it's their agent, but when he first shows up, you think he's like a bruiser. I th- yes, he, he, I mean he looks like the muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, uh, hey, Gardoni owes twenty grand, which means you owe twenty grand, <laughs> right? And but then you know it's all yeah. I thought that he was like maybe associated with Kitty that she's like, I want my money back. Yeah, and but no, it turns out that he's their agent. Yeah, so it's like. Oh, okay. I guess I'm gonna have to bail him out on this one. Yeah. So, so I felt like even then, it's kind of 
to get out of the debt mm-hmm. and because uh, there's there's this moment and the way that it's the way that it's cut is kind of nice and this gives me an excuse to bring up the fact that uh, besides uh, Dorothy's uh, uncredited directorial contribution uh, there is also a female editor right. on this uh, that is uh, Doris Drought who uh, spent uh, most of the 30s uh, editing. Uh, movies, and then moved on to uh, uh, script uh, and continuity work through uh, the the 40s and 50s, uh, among other things, uh, working on Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and uh, Elvis's Flaming Star and and, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, which I believe Mm -hmm. uh, was a William Howell uh, film. Or, Or it could be... I may have that wrong. Let I me... think I saw the Steve Martin remake on a plane when I was like four. <laughs> well, I I read I read the books in grade school, and I am wrong. It's Clifton Webb. Okay, pardon me. Uh, they, they, well, Clifton Webb and William Powell both had that sort of dandyish mm-hmm. uh, appeal because, as most people know, William Powell went on to a headline uh, the Thin Man right. film series with Myrna Loy and. <laughs> It's hard, and you know he's playing a much more heelish alcoholic here. But it's just hard not to think of. You know, they said they shot you twice in the tabloids. That is not right, lie. He came nowhere near my tabloids. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, did you know what the dog's name in the Thin Man is? Asta. Yes, and so does everyone else who frequently does crossword puzzles. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, and. Yeah. So, but but just I, st- but I there's, still there's there's a so the the moment that I was speaking of is when uh, Kitty has lowered the boom on Gardoni and the kiss off is he gives her this ring. Mm-hmm. It was probably that it might have been it might have been intended as like mm-hmm. I'm going to leave Marie for you, right? Some sort of engagement. But it also you know he he puts it on her finger and. The, the implication that it's almost uh, in the manner of what we saw in Camille a few weeks ago. It's like, okay, fine. Here's my debt paid to you. Yes. You know, the, like, the, the throwing down of, of the money. Yeah. That, that he, he put, you know, there's a, and there's a close-up of the ring going on the finger. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like this, all right, all right, okay, you'll, cl- you'll claim, you'll claim my money, but not my heart. I'll, Take it with me into the ocean, mm-hmm. the river. Yeah, um, but I, st- I still, I, I still don't really understand though why Hap is so forgiving I've, and effusive in his praise. Well, I think I have. Is an it idea. solely performative? Well, no. I think because at the begin, because uh, there, both he and Marie feel out. At a core, they feel like they've been taken in. They they know what a bastard Gardoni has been, but they're almost ashamed to admit to it because it would have to mean that their better nature let them down. Mm-hmm. You know, that their that their that their tendency to kindness was a mistake. You know that that if he that if he had if he had you. Know, let this guy, you know, stay in the street hungry, 
you know, maybe you know, his life would be better at all. Maybe off, they would have ended up together. Yeah, they, and they could have he, led a simple he, life. Yeah, he he to you know, that you know, that in order in order to completely renounce Gardoni, he has to admit that it was a mistake to have ever befriended this guy in the first place and been nice to him. Mm. And ditto for Marie because. You know, Marie is a kind individual that when when uh, Hap first you know comes back to New Orleans and comes to see her, she offers him coffee and it's like I, I, I can't take this coffee. I don't have any money to pay you. And mm-hmm. she's like, your credit is good. You know, that that this that both of them would have would be it would almost be as if they'd have to be on guard more often. So and that they're they're desperate to find a shred of anything good about Gardoni, like you know, the fact of okay, well, I mean, he did bring me back into the act. He could have just you know gallivanted off into stardom with Marie and left me completely behind. Uh, that yeah. that there it's the desperation of you know not wanting to admit you got took. Yeah. And, and because because it you know because it, it, aside from the fact that it's embarrassing to admit you got played, it also means that you know, you were stupid for being nice to this person. You could say that you acted like a clown. <laughs> well, yeah, or you got clowned. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's it still feels it still feels a little out of place that. Because there's no scene of him, like, reckoning with all of this. It's just we see him being abused, learns that he's dead, and then he's kind. And, like, and like wasn't he so great? And Well, he, he's, he's telling her what he thinks she wants to hear. Right. You know, that, you know, the, the, the woman's in mourning. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're not at the point where he was like, you know, he was no good. You know, that, that maybe that's what you're both thinking, but now is not the time... You know, yeah, that you want to don't hear speak it. ill of the dead, or at, at least not before they're buried in the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but ultimately, um, as... and I think they do extend the story a little bit in order to get across the fact that you know when Gardoni kills himself, for all purposes, that's the. It looks like that's going to be the end of Hap's career. Mm-hmm. You know, so that even in death he's a selfish bastard because he's killed the act. Yeah, and and you know it's only through you know dumb luck that he you know he can get his solo act book back in Dayton, Ohio, right. and you know be you know make a living again. Yeah, and so at the end of the film, um, it's it's very it's it's almost it's purposely identical to to the opening but instead of the title company the the title saying a performer it just says a man and mm-hmm. and he's there doing his bicycle and there marie is in the audience watching and yes that that finally he's his own person that right. he that there there's all of these roles being assigned to him through the other uh subtitle sections and that finally you know He's a he's a provi- he's a provider. He's an earner. He's making his own way and not dependent upon on anyone. Yeah, I just because uh, uh, the the source material 
of this is a short story called The Feeder. Okay. And it, it would be a short story. <laughs> yes. And it is, it is written by a woman named uh, Mildred Cram, who okay. uh, her biggest claim to fame is she wrote Love Affair, which was later remade as An Affair to Remember. Oh. And then, uh, which of course is the material that is at the cornerstone of the plot of Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, the, the big reunion. And, you know, she has other film and, uh, you know, t- TV credits, but that's that's the big one because, you know, Love Affair was done three times and then you have the, un- the unofficial homage in Sleepless in Seattle. And... So that so the so it kind of fits with her template of you know people you know drawn you know drawn into bad turns of fate and you know find finding you know positive closure at the very end when all seems lost. Yeah. I I yeah, so the, the film it's hokum it's it's yeah this movie is hokum this movie is fluff this movie is um how did whitney and i were talking about uh, uh something on all about ovid and we basically ultimately just described it it's it's just this cloud that just kind of breezes by and you don't even think of it um yeah it's just it's a cloud but i think it just outstays its welcome and and it's something that in doing all of these pod doing all of these shows that I I didn't know how much I needed it until it was gone, which was complex female characters. Um, the the women in this film, Marie and Kitty, are pretty much one note. Uh, yeah. Marie especially, and and it's just it, it. There's all the agency is completely gone. She's she seems to be you know having fun on her own until Gardoni shows up, in which she immediately falls in love and is completely doting and whatever you say. And then when she then when he dies, it's like completely broken up. And it's just it's it. There's 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 no two dimensions to the character. And and even Kitty, who like as we talked about, has like this you know almost maybe Arzner esque. Uh, 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 air to her there's this uh, where she's like you know she does make her own choices she has some agency in the story but in the context of the film it's almost treated as like an antagonistic move like it's almost like a villain turn for for her and I don't know it, it felt it felt like what it what it reminded me of as I was watching it is um, in Wonder Woman 84 um, the the latest Wonder Woman film uh uh Kirsten Wig, Kristen Wig plays uh, Cheetah in that movie, and there's a scene where after she's gotten her powers, um, a man who in an earlier scene sexually tried to sexually assault her um, tries to do it again, and with her newfound powers, she's able to beat this man up. And as it's happening, the music acts as if this is some dark moment where she's going too far, and it's like no, she's. She should be the hero in this scene, and yet the movie is almost treating her as as if she's like, oh no, how could she? And it's just like, are you kidding me? And so I kind of got the same vibe from this, where it's just like, 
where it's like where you're trying to where it's all all of a sudden trying to make you sympathetic for Will for for William Powell's character, and I just I didn't really buy it. No, I I didn't feel like we're supposed to have any sympathy for William Powell's character. That I kind of I kind of look at Kitty uh, the way I would look at uh, Lola Lola in the Blue Angel, where you know she that you know Kitty is. You know, she she's not actively you know trying to be cruel, but it's just like, look, I'm about me. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you you're the one who put all of these designs on me. I you know I never prom I never promised you a damn thing. You know, you you got this unrealistic expectation of what what we were. Yeah, I. I... Oh, it's just, it's still it still felt obvious that there is the complexity and the depth and nuance of character in 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 the women characters is is noticeably absent here. Um, um, yeah, I just I kind of want to just like oh, can we go back to to Craig's wife? I just want to see yeah. the nuance in Rosalind well, Russell's performance in well, that again, movie. You know that um, uh, Mildred Cram did the short story. the mm-hmm. The adaptation is by Howard uh, Eastbrook. How- Howard Estabrook and George Manker Waters, and then if the IMDb is to be believed, in addition to Dorothy Arzner, there's also there, there's also supposed to be uncredited direction from Rollo Lloyd and Henry Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I don't know what would be left for them to work yeah, on. Yeah, because um, and we might as well get into it. Yes. Um, so Robert Milton was a theater director. That's that was his specialty. And when it came to directing films, um, he was offered some films. And basically, what Paramount said is like, he doesn't really know what to do with the camera, does he? And so they asked Arzner to come on, and Arzner was like, sure. And so what it was is a collaboration between the two. They did this for two films: this film and uh, Charming Sinners, which we'll also be reviewing. Um, and uh, Robert Milton would work with the actors, and Dorothy Arzner would essentially block the camera, and for for the actors and for the edits, like basically just get it get it all up so that the, so it would look nice on on the screen. And so ultimately, with the content of the film, there's there's I don't think that there's much that we can say is like what Arzner had influence on because yeah. she didn't that she was that was not what yes. she was looking. She was just on the technical side. That was, I mean, because she she knew how to do it and she was good at it, and so. So at 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 the most, it's her, it it's her shot compositions that mm-hmm. are going to potentially deliver a visual component to the emotions we're supposed to feel. Right. And I think that there are certain shot choices uh, that I think are augmented. By her, by what she chooses to do, the way that she frames someone's face, or mm. you know, composes them in a scene as to where they're standing, or yeah. the and like and in the scene where Kitty rejects um, uh, Gard, Gardino, Gar, Gardoni, <laughs> um, it's it's been uh, an hour since I've seen the film, and I'm already starting to forget. Um, or Lami. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, a rare Uh, <laughs> uh Anyway, 
um, in that scene, uh, she is uh, silhouetted by light, and she is facing the camera, and uh, and and Gorlami is is facing away from the camera. His back is to the camera, and he's bathed in darkness, surrounded in outside at night. Yes. And and so I guess yeah, I, I I suppose that could be some way of you know giving the. It's we're focusing on her and, and on, not on him, and so, that you know he has got one foot in the abyss already. Yeah, um, there's 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 two moments in this film that I found genuinely interesting um, in in terms of the shots. Um, first of all, did you notice that there is a handheld shot in this movie? Right towards the beginning, the shot of of Hap walking into the diner for the first time. That's a handheld shot. Like, it's on there, and then it just gets up and almost follows him in. And I was like, hold on, hold on. Clearly, that was probably shot on a camera that wasn't recording sound. Because, I mean, that's the thing. That's the reason why I was so surprised is because once sound cameras were became the mainstream, you notice that in between, like, 1927 and 1931, things got a lot more stagey again because the cameras were so big and so loud and heavy that you couldn't have that exact you can't couldn't have the same freedom of movement that you could have five years before and so seeing the handheld shot i was just like huh didn't expect that and then and then later in the film in the scene where hap realize uh, uh learns of of Gor- gorlami's death um the he has his clown makeup on and the way that his clown makeup works is that on one half it's a smile and on the other half it's a frown and it's and in that scene he's sitting there at at the van at at the vanity working and in comes who we think is the bruiser but is actually the agent um and he's like gorlami's dead and he looks up and we see the smile on on his in in profile and and then he's like yes but the but then you've You've, but then he, and then he's like, but you're you're gonna have to cancel like so he's he's not he's not I I'm I'm gonna have to cancel your he's not gonna show up tonight I I'm gonna have to cancel your thing and he looks the other way and we get the frown he's like but could I go up on stage alone and do my own act and again he looks back and we get the smile and he's like no and so we go back and he gets the frown I was like that's that's clever that's that's a clever use of makeup and of and a profile shot and so i was that that was the one bit i was like that that's that's some good staging right there but yeah other other than that i mean the direction is mostly efficient there are there are moments but um yeah well i you know let's let's give gardoni the last word uh i cannot live on platitudes and chili con carne and well neither can we yes Mm. um yeah. Uh, ultimately, the, the, it's 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 the definition of slight. It's yeah. it's Dorothy was trying to help out a pal, and she you know they did fine. <laughs> yeah, but it's just the script wasn't the script wasn't that yeah wasn't that groundbreaking. <laughs> wasn't at all groundbreaking, and yeah, the the performance were decent, I suppose. Yeah. William Powell's always you know he's always going to mm-hmm. have fun, um, and you know. Fay Ray, you know. yeah, she was. What was she? She was in like that movie, like Kong King or something like that. Uh, or as they say at Rocky Horror, you know, whatever happened to Fay Ray? She was taken by a fifty-foot ape with an eight-foot. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's that's behind the makeup. Um, it's it's a simple film. It's and yeah, and I'm 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 glad I saw it. 
I'm I'm looking forward to watching Charming Sinners and to see you know this other work that that uh, uh, she did outside of even though she wasn't you know directing directing it wasn't all her vision that she's still getting work the work done and yeah and it's interesting that in the book that it says there's basically this conver- this idea of um, like you know Dorothy Arsner was quite willing to like help out people and not receive credit. And it's like, would that be have been the case? Would she have, would would the person helping out without getting credit have been so you know uh, generous about it if if they weren't a woman? Mm-hmm. And there's there's a quote in there about how Dorothy Arsner is like, yeah, I mean, initially I just didn't want to be known as a woman's director, so I like don't even leave, don't even put my name big on the screen, and and then I regretted it because I got no press. Um, and so yeah, so there's. It's it's an interesting dynamic to, to to think about. Well, yeah, it's it's a movie partly directed by you know, a woman who gets no credit, much like it's a story about an actor who does not give credit to the guy who gave him the act in the first place. Right. And it's like, but doctor, that jerk Pagliacci stole my act. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. This 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 I. There's there's a conversation to be had in this film that they they could have they could have done something with the high art versus low art debate like something actual discussions about like mm-hmm. the values of each but, but but it was 1930 and audiences wanted hokum well yeah and just there's yeah there's there's no there's no actual depth they they don't actually dive into this this idea they don't actually explore it it's just low art bad high art good and then at the end of the film low art is what we got i guess um so it's just yeah there's there's not much to it but but what are you gonna do mm-hmm. um yeah so i guess i guess that's i guess that's this episode of dance dorothy dance um uh yeah i i'm i'm just so glad to be here and in in los angeles a city of 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 roads and smog um <laughs> uh, but i'm yeah i just i'm it's I'm I'm I've already I've only been here in the city for what what time is it now? I I haven't been in here 12 I haven't been in this in this in this town for 12 hours. I've already recorded two podcasts and and I'm I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to this because the, these episodes will be released, you know, on our our the schedule we had, which is every other week. So these films is this these podcasts are going to come out over a, a couple months, uh, a few yeah. months. And but they'll all I'll be this time capsule of this one week that... Uh, well, it's going to be like that entire season of I Love Lucy where they went to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it'll, be, it'll stretch out over an entire season of television, but the story itself probably only covered you know, a few days. Yeah, so, so there you have it. That's this episode of Dance, Dorothy Dance. Mark, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at T-H-E underscore H-O-Y-K, the Hoik, the phonetic pronunciation of my name. Um, I'm still getting a lot of people uh, retweeting my mega thread from last week about right. the uh, history of uh, home, home video releases. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a blog. Uh, the URL is uh, projectorhasbeendrinking.blogspot.com. Um, all sorts of uh, interviews, essays, and other ephemera to be found there. 
All right. And then as for me, I'm on Twitter at Blueberry Closet. You can find the Screens Margins on Twitter at Screens Margins. And we have, well, I mean, if you're listening to this, you are a patron. And so thank you very, very much for supporting it. It it really does mean the world. And yeah, I mean, I <laughs> it wasn't cheap to drive all the way down here. And so just every every little bit helps. And yeah, I'm just I'm so glad that that I'm that I'm able to to go on this journey now literally go on this journey through through the the Arzners Ars the 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 uh, the Arzniverse yes the Arzniverse oh that should that should be a thing I'm yeah as I'm going through the, I'm just more and more things I'm just like I want to make a Dorothy Arzner biopic now who would I get to play Dorothy Arzner? Just all those thoughts are starting to creep in my head. Anyway, it must be LA. It's starting to infect me already. It's like, man, I got the spec script you're gonna love. Um, but anyway, that's 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 all for today. Um, anyway, so thank thank you very much for listening because uh, we know that there's a pull these days when it comes to films to focus only on the big and the mainstream stuff. Thanks for spending time with us today here on the margins. Good night. Uh-huh.